Welcome to the Digication Scholars Conversation Series. I'm your host, Jessica Chittam. In this episode, you'll hear part two of my conversation with Pablo Avila from LaGuardia Community College. More links and information about today's conversation can be found on Digication's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Full episodes of the Digication Scholars Conversation Series can be found on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. You are about to hear part two of our conversation with Pablo Avila. Please be sure to listen to our previous episode to hear part one of this conversation. Um, when you were talking about the CTL, you mentioned um, the how important the mentorship program is. It's been a part of it for a long time. You have various types of mentors. That seems like a pretty important part of, um, I mean, the program, the ePortfolio program, everything. Is that part of what makes your ePortfolio program so successful? Um, I would say it certainly is a fundamental part of it. I think there are distinct areas that make um, the ePortfolio initiative uh, a successful one. Um, obviously, mentors are always uh, playing an important role in the student's journey. And uh, remember that the SDMs, the SSMs, and the peer advisors are helping students in very specific ways, where, whether it is with technology, with advisement, or adjusting to the college overall. And the portfolio, obviously, it's helping the student document all these different experiences. But at the same time, I think there is a need for a, a sense of agency from the student, right? So the student, it's an, it's an advocate for himself uh, and it's seeking resources when he or she needs them, right? I think an element that makes the initiative successful is the combination of efforts that take place not only from mentors, but also from faculty. I think behind, and I always tell people uh, this all the time, behind a great portfolio is uh, there's a great, uh, there's a, a thoughtful e-portfolio practitioner. Uh, mm -hmm. It's someone, it's a faculty member who has carefully crafted an assignment that has pushed the student to think beyond the boundaries of the course. Um, whether it's something that happens in the discipline with the subject matter, how do you take that to the next level and put it on your portfolio in ways that it's helping you that may be different in the ways that help other students? So each student is taking that sense of ownership and thinking about how those learning experiences are connected. Um, mm -hmm. And I think the portfolio helps with that. But there has to be a proper scaffolding behind that assignment and the faculty is carefully thinking about what the student can do the faculty is thinking about those prompts that will push the student to think about the juxtaposition of media and text um, because you can tell there's plenty of faculty who do digital essays in the portfolio where students are combining videos with text and are explaining these different elements in order to convey a message. That's the essence of a digital uh, ability, a digital skill where the student is able to combine those elements on the page and convey that message in a clear and succinct way. Um, and when the reader is looking at that, then that means the student has excelled at mastering that skill. But that also entails that there's a faculty member behind that who has carefully thought of that assignment, that prompt. Now, mentors are a fundamental part of that process. Faculty are a fundamental part of that process. Staff are a fundamental part of that process. Advisors play a critical role. The portfolio helps immensely 
get to uh, uh, for faculty to get to know who their students are. Uh, they they understand where the students are coming from, who the students are. In many cases, when the students are putting a picture of themselves, they can even see, even in distance learning times, they can see a human face behind uh, behind those portfolios. And I think in general, it's a combination of these multiple efforts that make the initiative successful. And uh, when we have student showcases like the one we had a month ago uh, that we've had over time every semester, we realize about that. We realize about the time in professional development seminars that we spend pays off when you look at these portfolios. Uh, when students speak about their ability to uh, master oral skills uh, when doing a presentation or their ability to uh, combine text and images or their ability to convey a message via digital portfolio. There's a hidden That's curriculum right. there. There's a lot more than just making a portfolio. There's many exactly. things learning along the way. Yeah. Exactly. But there needs to be a proper scaffolding. And I, when I think about it, I always remember our seminars, the professional development space is critical to help faculty think and brainstorm and think widely about what you can do with a portfolio, right? And then think about what's realistic, right? You can start small. And I always tell faculty who are new to the portfolio, start small. Your students already have a portfolio, have them do an assignment that connects with what you already are doing in your class. And then taking those small steps really help the student and the faculty become more and more um, familiar, comfortable with this digital environment that the portfolio presents. And at the same time, it's helping the student develop that sense of ownership on the portfolio, that sense of, um, you know, um, that digital skills that they need to develop as well. So is that the secret recipe? It's all I of the moving, you know, components all going kind of in the same direction, providing that scaffolding from many different Probably that is the probably that is the million dollar question, right? <laughs> now that takes time and mm -hmm. effort and trial and error. Uh, there's many places where, uh, you know, we can certainly uh, tighten up the process and think about what else we can do or the differences in disciplines, for instance, and how they can integrate the use of the portfolio and the culture, right? I think it also is important to identify the stakeholders, right? How you convey the message, the, the value of the portfolio to students and to faculty is very different, right? Uh, there's always the idea that faculty need to add another assignment or another thing that they need to do. But when there is a seamless integration between the portfolio and what they already are doing, that's an entryway to thinking about how they can advance the student learning by using the portfolio, right? Mm -hmm. um, now, at the same time, the student also needs to hear that this portfolio can help him further down the road. And there's many students who have presented uh, at showcases and have moved on to getting scholarships or getting a letter of recommendation that gets them to another college or in some cases grad school if they are still using the portfolios at a four-year college. There's many students that have utilized the this tool to get internships. So I think it's a combination of all of those aspects that I think really make a difference. But it, it doesn't mean that all the planets need to align, but like <laughs> you said, they all need to go at least in the same direction and that takes time and, and certainly effort. You had mentioned, uh, you know, now we're in online learning times, 
um, is pretty much everything online at LaGuardia right now for the foreseeable future. So how is that impacting what you're doing? Well, I think it's fair to say and important to acknowledge that uh, across the country, community college students have been deeply impacted by this pandemic uh, across the board. And I think uh, in New York City, uh, we're not we're not the exception, unfortunately. Um, I think students have grappled with immense challenges to move their courses online um, from very basic things. In some cases, borrowing a laptop. Uh, in some cases, not having a laptop and requesting one. In some cases, the students completing uh, coursework in their phones uh, or borrowing Wi-Fi from a, a nearby library or high school uh, parking lot. Uh, it, you name it. The challenges are countless, unfortunately. So at LaGuardia, we've had to grapple with similar challenges. The institution, I think, has done a good job at communicating as best as we could in during a pandemic, during a crisis, to make sure that every student who needed a laptop got a laptop. There's plenty of students who requested one and were able to get one. Um, and the college is also working on getting students Wi-Fi devices so that they are able to help students who not only may have a device, but they now don't have an inter internet connection so they can complete work online. Obviously, the amount of requests for support has skyrocketed from previous semesters uh, because the students are now doing everything online. Zoom fatigue is a real thing. Students are exhausted. Uh, so are we. <laughs> so I think it's a combination of all of those challenges that students are facing that uh, has certainly pushed us to think about more creative ways of providing support. So we continue to provide support via email, via phone, via Zoom. Uh, the use and development of the portfolio has not stopped. The disciplines that have been used in portfolios continue to use it. The first year seminar where the SSM, the student success mentor uh, who works with students in the first year seminar, continue to happen synchronously uh, this semester as well. Uh, as far as I can remember, the college will continue to be in distance learning through the spring next year. We have a winter session coming up in January and February, and then we have a winter uh, uh, spring session. We know we're going to be in distance learning. From what I've heard, it's all courses with uh, very few exceptions of courses in the health sciences that require a lab and a physical uh, presence for them to carry on. Um, but 99% of the courses will be uh, uh, will be uh, on distance learning. And I think obviously this has impacted our support, um, not only when we think about students, but at the same time how we think about staff, right? Because the staff are also human beings working from home, having to deal with families, with elderly parents or with, kill, uh, with children. So uh, we've had to be more creative in offering our support. I think social media has become a medium to communicate with channels, uh, Instagram messages. Uh, we've gotten a lot of uh, Instagram messages on Facebook. We've opened um, sort of like a help desk uh, in our Facebook page where students can message us and they can say, hey, I need help with this or this video didn't help, so we can respond, okay, so what do you need help with? Do you need help with this? Here's a resource. Um, videos and a combination of video tutorials and text-based tutorials uh, are key to allow users to access any kind of resource they may be looking for. There's That's so creative, text-based, like text messaging, is that what you said? No, it's, uh, it's okay. just tutorials with text only. 
Uh, sometimes right. the students, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes the students are looking for a video and they say, okay, I just want a video that shows me exactly what I need to do. And then there's also someone who says, hey, just give me the steps, give me four bullet points and I'll get this done. That's me. So, like <laughs> exactly. so having to create all these resources and moving them all up online so that students are able to access them. Uh, communication is critical. Not only do we communicate with students via messages, uh, via social media, I'm sorry, um, but also the digication notifications has been uh, incredibly helpful. So what we do is every Monday we send uh, users uh, a, a, via the notifications panel, we send them a message and we tell them, do you need help with this particular uh, part of your portfolio. Here's a resource that you can use. So that's a way of communicating and training the users to sort of like think about uh, think about uh, the places where they can get support. So LaGuardia has this uh, this single sign-on portal that students sign on to. Uh, it's the My LaGuardia, and once they log into that, they can access their email. They can access CUNY First. They can access ePortfolio, and a number of other tools. So that portal allows the students also to see different messages, sort of like in a centralized way. So every time a student needs to access the portfolio, they know they they have to go through that channel. They they have to go through that portal, and that allows us to, in my mind, as I also appreciate marketing and communication. So in my mind, I'm always thinking. If a student needs help, what do I want the student to think? I want the student to think of our online support, our website. I also want the student to think about our social media channels mm -hmm. because we're spending time every week crafting messages and stories on Instagram and messages on Facebook. Uh, I want the students to think about our email because we have staff on site who are working at different hours responding mm -hmm. to emails. Um, so I think it, the, the pandemic, although pandemic has uh, helped us think about more creative ways that at any other regular time we would have never imagined we had to think about right because imagine we're almost we are literally doing in my case I'm doing everything from home there's nothing that I'm doing from campus is all day long on zoom and that has pushed my 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 strategy to think about ways to communicate with students but at the same time with faculty, and that is also an important aspect to mention, the support to faculty continues to happen. We now have a professional development seminar for uh, ePortfolio, uh, for faculty who are uh, integrating ePortfolio in their, in their courses uh, happening online. Uh, we've had to balance the synchronous and asynchronous activities uh, and recalibrate our goals to make sure that we move ahead with the seminar as planned, but given the current circumstances. So I think it, 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 it has certainly pushed us in ways that we never thought we would ever have to think about. But I think things are moving along fairly smoothly. I'm, I'm so surprised um, with students reaching out via Messenger and Instagram. You know, I, I appreciate that you're meeting people where they are as well, because sometimes it's Facebook or Instagram that's going to come up on, on our phones, not our email app. Um, so I appreciate how you're kind of meeting, meeting social, individuals where they're going, going to be. Social media is critical. I think social media is critical. And despite, I've heard lots of people say, oh, Facebook, it's so... <laughs> You know, it's not not the thing anymore. But there's plenty of people who are getting in touch with us when we put a link. Uh, Instagram, it's another source by which we are trying as best as we can 
to communicate on an ongoing basis with students. Well, in, in as a community college, you're going to have traditional students and non-traditional students. And so while Facebook might not be the thing for the average 18-year-old, um, mm-hmm. you know, somebody my age who's in school is probably going to be on Facebook more than, you know, yes. maybe Instagram. Yeah. Yes. That's great. Yes. Um, well, it sounds like you're making so many accommodations. Everybody's working so hard at this time and the students are too. They're struggling. Um, I just, I can't imagine trying to do all of this without a computer or consistent and reliable internet access. Um, so that's another reason why I think that social media, reaching out to them via social media is so important because if we don't have Wi-Fi, we have our phones. Yeah. Um, I, I think what's important to mention now that I hear you say that it's also the the, the online co- the, I should say the um, our level of comfort with online tools in general. LaGuardia uh, serves uh, I said like approximately eighteen thousand students every academic year, but many of those students were not exposed to an online course prior to this pandemic. So that mm-hmm. exacerbates the challenges that they yes. are now facing when suddenly the regular face-to-face ENG 101 course they had to attend a class too, it's now happening on a Windows screen. Um, yes. So I think that also is an important aspect. Uh, and for certain, we, we have tried to make all accommodations possible, but at the same time, colleges that have found, I have a colleague in, in, in CUNY SPS, for instance, who has worked entirely online, but their their population is obviously exposed to that online environment, and it's a different it's a different take, it's a different reaction, right? The pandemic is still tragic for everyone, but especially for students who have not had an opportunity to take an online course before, and that has been a, a to be quite honest, a heavy lift, a heavy lift for a lot of us, not only staff. For faculty as well, faculty who had never taught a course online yeah. uh, now had to face this monumental effort to move, transition a course from face-to-face to now being on distance learning. Uh, and you may know that when the pandemic unfolded, and I, I remember this vividly because I was running back and forth in the office when we were here in the press conference, uh, Governor Cuomo was announcing that um, SUNY and CUNY were going to close and have a, an, um, he said, um, an instructional recess uh, between March 12th or 13th. Yes. Uh, and we were all scrambling to help everyone try to identify the best and fastest way for them to move their courses online. When I think back to those days, quite honestly, I sweat because it was it was so frantic and obviously so much has happened but you know we we try to move as as best as we can it's tough for the students who've never taken an online course or never would have even chosen to take one it's also tough for the the instructors and i remember that recess um it's it was very similar to a lot of universities and colleges yes you get a week maybe two weeks to figure out how to flip your entire course on its head and then um possibly very likely teaching students in an online environment who also have never been in an online environment. So um, just like you mentioned with the e-portfolio, the it's important to see who's on the other side of it in terms of the pedagogy, the instructor. Yes. Um, same thing with this. It's yes. tough. It's been tough for everybody on all sides. And I'm so impressed that people have been so flexible and accommodating um, in, in light of how difficult this time is. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Um, so I, I have, I have a lot of things that I'm curious about. You've talked about so many interesting things. Um, one thing that your ePortfolio program is, it, it goes so well at LaGuardia. Um, it works very well. We at Digication all know it as a rock star program. Um, <laughs> and you brought up the importance of goals um, in terms of the ePortfolio itself. You know, it's helping students recognize and realize and change their goals through this learning process, um, I want to know about the other side of that, the ePortfolio program schools. What are you most dedicated to achieving by implementing this robust ePortfolio program? I, I probably should say, um, I mean, there's so many things to should talk say. about. The, <laughs> the, 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 the thing in a, one of the interesting things is that I, I, I have my experience as a student because I built a portfolio as a student, as a LaGuardia student, uh, also as a faculty member because I'm an adjunct, and also as an administrator because I, I, I work with a portfolio team. I think those three hats allow me to speak to this uh, in different ways. Uh, and there's plenty of things that we could do even better, right? I think going back to what I mentioned what I mentioned before is creating this sense of ownership and this sense of agency in students. I think it's it's something that's always critical, even when you are not speaking about portfolios, right? Uh, the portfolio is a high-impact practice. It helps the student develop these different skills that will help them further down the road in so many different ways. But I think if you remove the portfolio from the equation, you always want the student to develop that sense of agency. So mm -hmm. I think that's what we always strive for, right? Now, to do that, we don't, at least from a program administrator standpoint, we don't connect directly with students, right? We, we work with faculty a lot. And that's what a moment ago I, I highlighted the importance of professional development, the importance of faculty developing that pedagogy uh, because it evolves over time and it benefits from feedback and it amplify, is amplified by the experience of other faculty sharing their experience in a professional development seminar. I think at the same time, human power is important. At LaGuardia, we have the ePortfolio consultants uh, that are the force behind the program. They uh, they are they are also former LaGuardia students. Uh, they initially the role of the ePortfolio consultant was conceived as a peer mentor as well, along with the SDMs, with the SSMs, and the peer advisors. And their role has become uh, more of an instructional role, uh, given the complexity and the support that they have offered. Not only do they have to work with staff, but they work with faculty, they work with students, uh, they work with students on a one-on-one -on -one basis, they teach classes, they teach workshops, they run workshops for faculty where they learn about portfolio. So that has a Allowed them to sort of like see uh, to to serve in a different and more holistic purpose for the ePortfolio program. So the consultants play a key role. They are the pillars in the program. And I think in general, uh, again going back to faculty and thinking about how the portfolio is uh, adapted, integrated, or uh, you know connected in different ways to different disciplines, uh, it's something very different as it happens in natural sciences, as it does in English, 
the portfolio in computer science takes a different shape because the student's able to develop. Like students in computer science always are wondering, can I tweak the CSS of this or can I change this? Um, and you know, there's a different take on how they use portfolios. But the essence, at the end of the day, how they take the portfolio and they reflect about their experiences, they sort of like document their learning, at the end is the same, right? So I think if we were to do something more of, it would always be uh, developing that sense of ownership that the student develops over the portfolio. Uh, that takes many forms and many shapes and different disciplines. Uh, and it also requires multiple efforts from multiple people. It's not only the consultant, it's not only the faculty, it's the student. Uh, and there's so many, like I said, it's not that all the planets need to align, but there needs to be a concert of efforts that need to happen in order for this to, if there was something that we could do more of, it would absolutely be that. I think at the end of the day, the portfolio exists because there's a student behind it, right? The, the behind a gray portfolio there is always a student who is purposefully documenting that narrative, right? There's an interesting article that uh, Professor Dimitri Kapetanakos from the English department at LaGuardia uh, wrote. Uh, he writes about uh, the curation of the, porf the, the portfolio as a, as a process for curating the work that you've done, right? Uh, and it really is that the, the student really, when by the time he or she is getting close to graduation, he or she is thinking purposefully about the things that they have learned and about the work that they want to display in this portfolio, in this showcase portfolio, right? We're no longer speaking about a portfolio where the student is the audience. Now we're speaking about a portfolio where the student is purposefully selecting and curating the work that, they, that, that he wants the audience to see. Right, and if I'm a fine arts uh, student, I probably don't want uh, people who may be giving me an internship to think about or see my early drawings. I probably do want them to see the best work that I've done, where I demonstrate the the different techniques that I have used and so forth. So he writes about that process and how the portfolio helps the student do that, um, and um, that it's on the Catalyst book that. Uh, Bright Ainong and Laura Gambino wrote. Uh, that's one of the articles, and it really made me think about how the portfolio serves that purpose, right? Now, again, to get there, it's not an easy road, right? It's not like the student, you know, says, okay, I got it. Um, there needs to be a careful scaffold behind it, and uh, a, 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 I would say a proper initiation and sort of like carry over with the student so that he, he can get there. And you mentioned belonging earlier, and we've talked about that. And so seeing how this program is situated, even in, in your mind, um, how behind this portfolio is a great student, also um, great instructors and um, a great scaffold, I can see why um, belonging would be an important term to use to describe that you have such a great focus on the student's experience and how they yeah. grow. I think that's yes. very unique. Yes, yes. I think it's it's part of the larger role of um, of, of what college is, uh, right? It's it's a, a place for students to get training on a specific discipline, um, but I believe it's uh, it's also an opportunity for students to discover who they are 
and who they want to become, right? And uh, I, I remember in our initial conversations about what this core portfolio was going to be back in 2016, 2017, we were grappling with this whole concept of what a core portfolio is, right? And we were thinking about, we want the core portfolio to be a place where the student is thinking about who am I and who, I, who am I becoming uh, and how do I get there? Right, because it's a matter of process as well. So um, that's one thing that I just remembered when we were talking about the core portfolio as well. Well, um, on that very powerful note, <laughs> I have to thank you so much for spending time talking with me today about your um, incredible program. It's it's pretty obvious to me now why and how it works. So well, I've been compiling like your secret sauce recipe in my mind <laughs> as you've been talking. Give it and to this, me because I want to know. <laughs> I'm going to write it up as soon as we're done. Um, there are there are multiple components here that I can see all really work in concert to create um, a very successful program, and I'm um, impressed and appreciative that you are helping lead this charge with a really amazing team it seems like of um, thousands of students and um, many many instructors and student mentors thank and thank you for the interest and for for sharing i think it's 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 never enough to share the important work that staff are doing the immense work that faculty are doing mm -hmm. countless hours outside the classroom crafting assignments and thinking carefully about how to do this. Uh, there's never enough of that spotlight and showcase. So thank you also for giving me the opportunity to share this with you and everyone who's listening. Absolutely. I think that people will get a lot out of listening. The Digication Scholars Conversation Series is brought to you by Digication, a technology platform powering the most innovative ePortfolio programs in K-12 and higher education. Our website can be found at digication.com. This episode was produced by Drew Albanicius. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please like, subscribe, and share with a friend. Thanks for watching.